0: amen thank you musicians for leading us wow gene thank you for that testimony as well if you have your bible open up to nehemiah chapter 8 while you're turning there nehemiah chapter 8 uh let me just echo a little bit of welcome to you if you're visiting with us today we're glad that you're here and uh i know heath may have mentioned this to you with the uh the coronavirus uh I want you to know as one of the pastors here that your church does have a plan and you can pick up this sheet on the way back as you leave today. Uh, We are under the uh, wash and watch plan, which means wash and watch. So uh, we will be watching like you over the next few days, the developments of this. And um, what I would ask uh, from our church family is that uh, you just be like uh, we are in the third world on mission trips. Flexibility is the key word, flexibility. So right now, we're, we're again, we're watching things, and we have events that are on the calendar, and we're going to watch. Um, thankfully, South Carolina, at least the upstate, has not been as affected as other parts of the country and the world. But I do want you to know this is a serious thing. Anytime the world goes into a panic mode, whether it's legitimate or not, and anytime time the President of the United States calls us to a time of prayer, uh, it's a big deal. So we, we, could, we could respond and stick our head in the sand and say, Lord, we trust in you, which we do, and ignore it. Or we could do like some people have done and they've uh, challenged our grocery stores to stay in stock of supplies. And on this end of the spectrum, uh, we're going to try to take a balanced, rational approach uh, Approach putting our trust in the lord so I I would ask you in the days ahead tw- next 24 hours Even as a church family to be flexible uh, be patient uh, This is not a time to cast stones at churches who have canceled their services uh, every church is unique uh, You know, I am thankful that our churches we talked about with uh, some leadership this morning bright and early we I'm thankful we have a multi-generational church And so I want our older folks to know today, I love you, and uh, our priority as the leadership of the church is your safety and your health. So if any of us, whether you're uh, 9 or 90, if you feel like you don't feel like coming to church, stay home. Okay, no guilt. No guilt. Stay home. Your health's important. We want you to take care of yourself. Uh, And so uh, we love you. We will... We will go through this together. It is interesting to me, though, I can't remember a time of an event that got this much attention. You may have to go actually back to nine eleven. So as I was watching some of this on the news this week, I thought, hmm, it's going to be interesting to see how God uses this. I hope He, he he's already given us, as Gene mentioned, an opportunity to share our faith. And I hope because of all the chaos in the world that it will tune you a little bit more to the Holy Spirit to pay attention because there are people fearful. There are people wondering. I've heard friends of mine this week who have overheard conversations in the line at grocery stores and people saying, is the world coming to an end? That's a great question to be asking, by the way, especially if you don't know the Lord Jesus. Hopefully you're, what's happening? So we've got an opportunity as believers to really uh, demonstrate faith and not chaos, so I hope that you will You'll do that along with me, and we want to be people of prayer. i got to say a thank you, too, real quick to our church family. Uh, Last week we had this guy who's a friend of mine uh, here in concert in the Family Life Center, and you all packed it out. Uh, I want to say thank you on behalf of our church staff and leadership for trusting us. Uh, I know many of you didn't know who he was, and you're thinking, who is this guy? But we had a lot of people from the community, some people who drove hours to see him, and he ministered in an incredible way. Uh, When he asked me before he came out, he was sick, by the way, not with the virus, but just some head cold. And he said, how how long should I go tonight? I said, man, you can go, go an hour, hour and 10 minutes, whatever. I think it was close to two hours. And at the end, he just said, I just felt like I was at home. And I said, you ought to be here every week. Because it is. It is. So I want to say thank you for, uh, for your support of that. What an incredible night. So let's look at Nehemiah chapter 8. Uh, Joey has already told you uh, kind of the theme of our message this morning. is going to be our secret power source, which is this word. Which is this word. And Nehemiah, again, a great uh, model for us, a great visionary uh, the wall is complete, and now if, if you're like me and, and you're reading the story, I'm like, okay, the wall is complete, now what? Now what happens? Because remember, this story is not about building a wall, but it's about fortifying a city that can be dedicated to the worship of God. So now we're kind of getting into the second part of the story, and we get pick up at Nehemiah uh, chapter 8. So let's read it together. All the people were gathered as one man, as one man, at the square which was in front of the water gate. Let me stop right there. You remember several weeks ago we talked about several gates. That were around the city. I should have put the graphic up again. I didn't put it on this slide. But the, the gates are all the way around the city. And they're gathering here at the water gate. And they asked Ezra verse 1. The scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses. Which those of you who are, know your Bible. That's the Torah. The first five books of the Bible is what they had. That's all they had. So they asked Ezra. Ezra, the people ask Ezra, bring the books, bring the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. And verse two, then Ezra, the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it before the square, which was in front of the water gate. From early morning until midday in the presence of men and women, those who could understand, and all the people were attentive to the book of the law. I love that word attentive there. There's not actually a Hebrew word that means attentive. The way it actually reads in the Hebrew is they put their ear to the word. I like that. It's almost like putting, your, putting the Bible up there. Yeah, I tried to do that in school, learned by osmosis. It didn't work. It didn't work. But that's literally what it's saying is they were so in tune and they were so attentive. It's almost like they wanted the word right here so it would go in. I love that description. So they were very attentive to the word. Verse 4, and Ezra the scribe stood at a wooden podium. Okay, hang on a second. Let me come back to my wooden podium. He stood at the wooden podium, which they had made for the purpose. And By the way, the wooden podium has kind of morphed over the years. This wooden podium was more like a platform. And you're going to discover why as we read more of the verses in just a minute. That almost 14 people could stand upon. Because we just read, he read the word for six hours. From sunrise, it said, till midday. So for six hours, they're reading God's word. And we get freaked out over about an hour and 15 minute service. For six hours... Now, I don't know, the Bible's not very detailed here, but I would imagine, given Bible scholars have told us in history, studying biblical history, these 14 guys were up there so that if Ezra ever got tired, he could pass the book and they would take turns reading, because for six hours, they were lifting up this book. Well, the Torah. They were reading God's word to the people. And so he stood there with all the people that are listed there in verse 4, and beside him stood Matthai, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah and Masaiah on his right hand, and Petaiah, Mishel, Malchajah, Hashem, Hashbadan, great names, isn't it? Zechariah and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra, verse 5, opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it up, the people stood up. If you're able to, can you stand with me this morning as we read the rest of this chapter together? They stood in honor of God's word. I love that. Verse six, Ezra blessed the Lord the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands and they bowed low and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua, Bani, Sherubim, Jamin, Akab, Shabethi, Hodi, Messiah county all those names that I don't know if I'm pronouncing right or not honestly and the Levites a lot of people explained the law to the people while the people remained in their place And they read from the book from the law of God translating to give them the sense So that they could understand the reading verse 9 then Nehemiah who was the governor and Ezra The priest and the scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people this day is holy to the Lord Your God do not mourn or weep for all the people were weeping When they heard the words of the law Verse 10, he said to them, Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who is nothing prepared, for this day is holy to our God. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went away to eat, to drink, to send portions, and to celebrate a great festival. Because they understood the words which had been made known to them. Verse 13, On the second day the heads of fathers' households, of all the people, the priests and the Levites, were gathered to Ezra the scribe that they might gain insight into the words of the law. And they found written in the law how the Lord had commanded Moses that the sons of Israel should live in booths during the feast of the seventh month. So they proclaimed and circulated a proclamation in all their cities and all Jerusalem saying, Go out to the hills and bring olive branches and wild olive branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of other leafy trees to make booths as it is written. Verse 16, so the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof, and in their courts, and in the courts of the house of God, and in the square at the water gate, and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. And the entire assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in them. The sons of Israel had indeed not done so from the days of Joshua the son of Nun to that day, and there was great rejoicing. And he read from the book of the law of God daily from the first day to the last, and they celebrated the feast seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the ordinance. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to understand your word this morning. God, I pray that you would help me to communicate it and articulate it clearly. May your spirit be the guide. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. You can have a seat. I, I love this passage of Scripture. I, I will tell you up front, uh, I will not be able to do this chapter justice because you don't want to be here for six hours today. But if you did, we, we, would, we, would, we would try to make an attempt. But I do want to make a few points this morning uh, that I discovered again after rereading this, this week. It reminds me of another passage of Scripture that we find in Psalm chapter 1 talking about the power of the word and we're going to discover as we look at some of these things this morning how important the word of God can be in our lives you know I I, like you have watched a lot of things happen in our world this week and I've kind of shaken my head at some of them um, because we are kind of in a chaotic time Uh, but as you think about the power of God's word here's what Psalm 1 says and you can just listen you can turn there if you like but here's what it says how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. The power of God's word. You know, the first thing that I discover about our secret power source, which is not a secret if you're a child of God, you should know this is our, this is our weapon. Paul talks about it in Ephesians chapter 6. This is actually our only offensive weapon. Not offensive as in offending, although the word does offend people sometimes, but offensive as in the only weapon we can fight with. All the other weapons are defensive in Ephesians chapter 6. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, and on and on he goes. So the word of God is very important. But as I discover in, this, in these verses, when you think about Nehemiah and what he faced, uh, you'll discover a very interesting thing about the people. Because the book book tells us in the very first verse of chapter 8 The people gathered And Ezra the priest brought the law before them They actually asked for the word of God And the first thing that you and I have to be doing If we're going to put the power of God's word at work in our life Is desire truth We live in a culture I don't have to tell you this Where there's very little desire for truth Most of the time our desire is for things that can make us feel good And yet what we discover here is the people go to Ezra and ask him, hey, will you read this to us? They are hungry. They're desiring the word of God. As I watch some of the things play out on the news this week, I thought perhaps, don't misunderstand me. I don't think God is causing these things any more than 9-11 or any major tragedies to cause them to happen. I think he allows them to happen. We have to be careful in our wording, especially when we're around those that don't believe in Jesus. I don't think that this is a judgment from God. I think he allowed it to happen. And what's interesting is when things like this happen in our world, maybe it causes a spotlight to go in our heart to show us where are our desires. You know, I remember again back at 9-11, every church was full the next Sunday. I thought it's interesting how all of a sudden we desire to to seek after God when something like this happens. But the other times of the year, not so much. We have to desire truth. The people were desiring to hear from Ezra. He brings the book of the law out which the Lord had given. And he stands up in front of these people. And I wrote down this question for myself. Are my desires in the right place or have the blessings of God caused me to misplace my desires? Because sometimes the blessings of God should push us to God. And sometimes they do temporarily and then we forget. And we're going to discover how they had to remember some things later on in this chapter. So how about us? Do we desire this book? They eagerly asked Ezra to read it. And verse 3 says he read it from the square. And the people were attentive to the book of the law. He read it. For six hours, I've told you, and Joey and I will get to discover this again in just a few short months. How in places in the third world, that's what they do. They'll they'll read the Bible and they'll pray, and for an hour and two and three and four and five and six. It's amazing. You may be here this morning, and you may you know, wow, it's really hard to get into God's word. I just I just the desire's not there. If the desire for God's word is not there, it may be for one or two reasons. One reason may be you may not know Jesus. You may never have surrendered your life to God because when you do, the power of the Holy Spirit will come in you and live within you and cause you to begin to desire the things that God would have you to desire. That might be one reason. Another reason may be you may know Jesus, but maybe you and I sometimes so, so squelch that desire in our hearts and in our lives to have communion with God and to study his word that it doesn't become a habit. I was reading this week and I was reminded that uh, when it comes to habits, if you start a habit, you'll actually begin to desire it. Did you know that? Some of you know that's true with Sin. Because if you, if you desire something, and, you go, and there are good desires and bad desires, and you start to desire something bad, and you succumb to it, all of a sudden the appetite grows, right? I remember going out of the country on a, on a mission trip one time and having to do without sweet iced tea for two weeks. Uh, yes, yes, that's a prayer request right there, amen? But after two weeks of not having sweet tea, you know what happened? I didn't desire it. Because I'd been guzzling water for two weeks didn't desire it but out of habit as soon as I landed in Atlanta Georgia I made my way to the Christian chicken like a beeline and I got that tea and put that straw in there and as soon as it touched my lips it was like you know what happened I was like wow that is super sweet oh my goodness what in the world that's way too much sugar The same thing is true for us spiritually. If we will start a habit in God's word, he, by the power of his Holy Spirit, will continue to create that desire to get into God's word. And that's what happened even in the lives of these people. They started to desire it from early morning till midday. What's interesting is if you know your Bible history, there had not been, I think the, the end of the chapter tells us, there had not been a public reading of God's word for many, 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 many years. Why? Because the people were in captivity. Not been a public reading for many, many years. Sometimes that happens out of neglect. But the people were eager. They eagerly requested the word. They also expectantly were ready to receive it. I I wonder sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, for myself even, if I'm honest with you and vulnerable with you this morning, I wonder how often I come into God's presence in my own personal communion time and in our corporate communion time expecting God to do something. I think my first official sermon here, I think if I remember correctly, back in October was Great Expectations. And sometimes we so lower our expectations because of what we're used to at the lines and all the lights at the registers that maybe are turned off and not turned on, that we lower our expectations if we come into worship. Uh, Really, I believe this is a big deal for us in North America, that we just think, well, if we have a couple good songs and, you know, a little message that kind of tickles my heart, that was a success. If that's all that happens when you come into worship, the staff of this church has failed you miserably. If you come into worship, my heart's desire, I try to make it my heart's desire all the time, is that I want to hear from God. I want His Word to to rip open my heart if it needs to be ripped open, to convict my heart if it needs to be convicted, to get comfort if it needs to be comforted. That's the power of the word of God. That's what I want. Otherwise, let's just watch golf on TV, which is the most boring thing to watch on television. (laughs) I mean, sincerely, that's what God wants for us, to come in expectant and raising the bar and saying, okay, God, what can we expect? Coming in with expectant hearts ready to hear from him. Some of you know this. I, I before pre Crossroads BC before Crossroads, I used to help, and I occasionally still will do this if asked, and it doesn't conflict with what's on the church calendar. I, I used to help a lot of nonprofits raise money, and what would chap my hide is when they would have a phone center and have people that were going to call in and give this give their particular organization their nonprofit money. And they may have a bank of 10 phones, and there's three people sitting there, and people are standing around the water cooler drinking a cup of coffee, and the phones are ringing, and nobody's answering the phones. If you want to see Jack Easton come unglued, I'm just giving you just a tip that's one way to see me come unglued. And I would go to the general manager, the executive director, president, whoever the ministry, and I'd say, Hello, are you blind? Are you, not, seriously, I would be that blunt. Are you not expecting God to show up? People are calling your organization to give their hard earned money, and you're just walking around like you don't expect God to do anything. If that's your level of expectancy, quit. Go home. And that's in that kind of sector. But we do the same thing spiritually with God. These people showed up saying, I'm here. I'm expectant. And you know what? I'm so expectant. If God doesn't show up in the first half hour or the first hour or the second hour or third or fourth hour, I'm going to sit here expecting God to show up. If I have to sit here and stand here for six hours, I'm going to wait on the Lord. That's passion. That's desire. That's expectancy. But you know what? They didn't just desire the truth of God. They had to digest the truth of God. And our appetite will only grow by what we feed on. What's interesting is as they started to read the the word, as Ezra stood in front of the people and he started to read the word, they, they they were beginning to digest the word and they weren't really clear about what was being read. And biblical scholars say part of the reason could have been, I don't know, part of the reason could have been that they had 14 people up there is because though Hebrew and Aramaic were most of the languages, that just like in our culture, there were certain dialects. Like there's a dialect in Roebuck, South Carolina, I know, because I live there. All right, isn't it? There, there's a different kind of English in Roebuck, South Carolina. So I don't know, but they, the biblical scholars, some of them say they may have been interpreting for some of the people. If they used some, some words that didn't quite make sense, they may have kind of said, hey, this is, what he, this is what Ezra means, this is what the scripture means. So they were digesting the truth. I've discovered in my own life the better I understand the word of God, The more comfort I find in it. The better I understand the word of God. The more I understand. My sinful state. The better I understand the word of God. The more I understand the incredible grace of Jesus. But it only comes as I digest the word of God. And these people were hungry for God's word. They wanted to digest God's word. They also wanted to embrace God's word, and they actually wanted to do God's word. When the words were first declared, the Bible tells us that they wept. But when they started to understand all that those, all that Ezra was reading in those first five books of the Bible, and they started to understand, then they started to rejoice as they started to get clarification on what was going on. They wanted to be doers of the word. It's interesting here. As I was reading this, I was asking myself the question, What was it they discovered that changed their mindset from weeping to celebrating? And you've got to really do a little bit of study to figure this out. I'm not an expert. But the Bible tells us in verse 13, on the second day, after the first day, six to noon, or daybreak to high noon, they were listening to the word of God. And guess what? They came back. They came back the second day. They said "Oh, we want more of this the heads of the father's households and the people the priests the Levites They gathered to hear and here's what they found out Here's what they discovered They found written in the law how the Lord commanded through Moses that the son of Israel should live in booths Now I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear the word booths But it's it's interesting And what these booths represented Jewish people still celebrate this today. I, I, I think maybe some of us as Protestants would do good to, for me to know a little bit more of Jewish history. Because when you know some of the Jewish history, you're like, wow. This celebration that had not happened for many, many, many years. The Bible tells us that it ha- had not happened in verse uh, 17. It says they had not done this since the days of Joshua. Was to remind them of their wanderings in the desert. So they had not done this as a group, as a corporate body. And so Ezra's reading this and explaining to them this early law of Moses that they're reading. And they get to this part about booths and they start going, "Okay, what, 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 oh, oh yeah, I remember. I remember mom, dad, grandma granddad said something like this way back when. And they start reflecting on this. And you know what I've discovered as I started thinking about this? It reminds them of this word. And this is not a popular word in our culture obligation because most of us as believers don't want to be obligated pick a word that makes you feel more comfortable then but according to god's word we have an obligation when we remember our own wanderings as sinful people and what god did to bring us to faith in jesus christ like brooklyn when we remember Call it what you want, but in my life, I feel a certain obligation, not duty. I'm not saying duty. I feel an obligation to my Heavenly Father to honor Him because of what He's done for me. I love that obligation. I wrote this down in in my notes as I was studying this week. You are responsible for what you know. Sounds pretty good, right? But then as I was praying, I wrote this down. As a Christian, you're responsible for what you don't know. If I'm flying down Woodruff Road at 65 miles an hour, which would be difficult, I know, because there's too, many, too much traffic, and I get pulled over, Officer, I didn't know the speed limit was 45. I didn't know the speed limit was 45. I doubt he's going to go, Oh, well, you didn't know. You didn't know. It's okay. You didn't know. We know. We know what God's Word says even better than the people that Ezra is reading to because we have the full Bible, Old and New Testament, we know. Ignorance is not an excuse. If you're a child of God, you and I have to desire the Word. We have to digest the Word. We have to get into the Word. We have to do the Word. And we have to move actually beyond obligation but just move to obedience They obeyed the word. We're going to discover what they do here after they've heard about these booths that have been described. Verse 14, they found this written in the law of Moses. Verse 15, they proclaimed and and circulated a proclamation in all the cities and in Jerusalem to go out to the hills to bring these olive branches, wild olive branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, branches of other leafy trees. And what they would do is most of the time, and I read up on this this week, I'm not an expert but most of the time, they would have four different, it's interesting, they list four or more there, four different kinds of branches that they would weave together. And they would put these on the top of their homes. At that time, most of the homes had flat roofs. They would put these on top of their homes. For those that didn't have that kind of a home, they might do it right out on the grass. And they would build like a temporary home. We had that song a couple of weeks ago. A temporary shelter. And it was to remind them of the wandering that their parents' or grandparents' forefathers did in the desert as they wandered through in disobedience because they did not follow after God. It was a symbol to bring to their memory who they belonged to, who their owner was. They were heirs to the promised land in those 40 years, but they had not yet inherited it. It's just like us in our temporary home. It's almost kind of like camping. They were kind of camping. Really. Some of you are looking at me like, oh, that's not a good analogy for me. I don't like camping unless it's in a motor home or at the Hyatt. But it was kind of like camping. And they go out and they're in these temporary shelters. Now, they're not in the temporary shelters to have fun or to do whatever you comes to your mind with camping. They're, they're in those shelters to do a couple things. One, they're going to eat two they're going to be with their family but the other thing is they're going to seek after God they're going to pray that temporary home was set up to be a way to pull them away from the distractions of the world man when I was reading this this week I thought look at what's going on in our culture right now could it be I don't know but could it be if things get worse and I hope they don't but if things get worse, and there's a mandate that we can't gather together more than 100 or more than 50, and I don't understand all that either, I don't understand if it's 10 people or 50, I don't, I don't get it. But if there's a mandate that we can't gather together, what would happen to us as the church? I'll give you my opinion. We would keep right on going, because the church is not this building. I'm hoping that many of us would say, hey, 10 people come to my house, 10 people come to my temporary home, 10 people come to my booth, 10 people come to my booth, 8 people. My... And we would set up and we would continue to study the word of God. If our dependence on God is a building, we are in big trouble. I think this reminder that they're in these booths of this temporary home was to set them up to be reminded of who their owner is. Remember, remember last week, I think it was last week, we talked about doing things right. Not just doing right things, but doing things right. And not just doing things right, but doing them in the right priority. As Nehemiah had a priority, he had a, a plan, he had a systematic plan. This is a part of that systematic plan. And they're in these camps. And they're studying the Word of God. So they, they are reminded of who their owner is so that they can do the word here's what I thought this week as I as I was reading this. How powerful is this book? You know, when we're happy, there's scriptures of celebration. When we're when we're struggling, there's psalms to turn to. I, I have a question for you in just a minute. So, so focus close because we're getting ready to wrap up. Here's just a couple questions. Do you and I desire the truth of God's word? Beyond our desire for it, are we are we digesting God's word? Are we absorbing it? One of the only negatives for me about Sunday morning is about the time I feel like we get started. It's time to it's time to cut it off. I was talking to my friend Joey even last week after our worship service, which was awesome, and music last week, I said, sometimes it it takes, and I know I'm weird. I know I'm weird, okay? And you know that too by now. I'm weird. But sometimes it'll take 30, 40 minutes of us just singing, worshiping till I can honestly feel like I'm coming up here in front of you to speak the word of God mentally and heart-wise prepared. And there's some weeks I just wish we could just we could just keep singing and, and just turn off the clocks. I know, I know, it's hard to do in our culture. But it's at that point when our heart is ready, we talked about last week the right preparation, when our heart is ready to hear the Word of God, that's when, that's when it will find fertile soil. If our heart's not ready to hear the Word of God, then it's not going to find a place to be planted. I'd like for us to close this morning a little bit different. Because there's so much in this book that we need. All of it we need. Is there a, is there a passage, and we're not going to be here for six hours, so don't worry. But is there a verse or a passage for you that you go, wow. That's my verse, that's my passage. I'm claiming that, I can't, I can't do without that. That's ministered to your heart Maybe currently or in the past That you would just say I've got to share that with our congregation And I'm going to ask you to come up and do it See the word of God's powerful The proclamation of God's word is powerful Did you know I personally believe Now don't get rid of me when I say this But I personally believe that each of you Could come up on Sunday And read God's word And it would have an impact in your life whether I stood up to say anything or not. Because the power is in this book, not in this person or a person. It's the Holy Spirit working through this. Thy word I've hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. So who has a verse or a scripture? And you can bring your Bible up if you want. Just a couple of verses that you come up and you would read and share with us. And share with the congregation and encourage us this morning. Are we, are we good? Hey, hey, Awesome. Anybody don't look at me like deer in headlights. You come up and use a mic too, if you will, so we all can hear. Thank you.
1: This is first Thessalonians five verses uh, starting at verse sixteen. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Who belong to Christ Jesus
2: verse five, I love the whole the whole psalm, but verse five, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flyeth at, at uh, daytime or by night by day, yeah, nor for the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor for the destruction that lays waste at noonday, a thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall thee, nor, nor shall any plague come near you, your dwelling. And um, I feel that this is, applies to what we're going through right now. But I love, we have to start with verse 1, because what the pastor preached today, it's like about dwelling in the word. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My, My God in Him will I trust. And then it says, he, sh- he surely shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid for the terror by night. So that's, I think that's a good passage.
3: i've got several verses i thought of <clears throat> the first one is genesis three fifteen. after adam and eve had sinned god promised a savior not through adam but he said to eve thy seed think about that woman does not have seed man does And yet God promised through Eve, meaning it would be a miraculous birth that only his Holy Spirit could accomplish, which is what he did through the birth of Jesus Christ. And he promised that the serpent's head would be crushed. When you kill a snake, you have to cut the head off. And then on the cross, that was the beginning of God's plan of salvation. And then on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished And the next thing that came to my mind is, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. And the last thing is, oh, my mind went blank there for a minute. Oh, John 3.17, not 3.16, but 3.17. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved.
4: Rejoice in the Lord, I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are right, whatsoever things are pure, whatever things are excellent, whatsoever things are trustworthy and admirable, consider these things. Whatsoever you have received, learned, heard from me or seen in me, Put it in practice, and the God of peace will be with you.
0: <laughs> I have some uh, words of encouragement um, based on the, the things that we're dealing with as a society now, both with the, the, the diseases that everybody's concerned about, but on a, another deeper level, just where we are in history. I believe we're in the last days. James chapter 1, verse 2, starting at 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask your generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Amen.
1: The one that comes to me is um, in this microwave generation that we live in, we want instantaneous results, instantaneous everything. Everybody's running 90 miles an hour in five different directions. And the one that keeps going through my mind is be still and know that I am God. And with all the um, chaos, corruption, and the evil that's running, around, sometimes we feel like we're getting beat up, but another one comes to mind, that I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. So no matter what we go through, the Lord's always there, he's always willing to help us out, but we have to stop, listen, and take his advice, and lean on him to let Him let, let, it, let yourself know that he will always be there for us.
3: Well, since I kinda of like grew up on a farm, this one really applies to me. It is John fifteen five and let me get this where I can see and throw everything on the floor. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing.
4: We covered this this morning in in Sunday School. And to give you an idea, it struck me uh, during this class. This is the time to which Peter has come down to see Cornelius. It's what occurred. And one thing came to his recollection. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean.
2: This is a verse that has meant so much to me since since 2015 when Charlie was diagnosed with his cancer. Be joyful in hope, patient in tribulation, and faithful in prayer. Jeremiah 29:11, "For I know the thoughts, the plans that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end, hope and a future."
1: You know, we often sing praises to God. We think. That's what we're supposed to do. But this is one of my favorite verses. Zephaniah three seventeen. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. The, The Savior of the world sings. Over us,
2: as some of you may know, I've been through a lot of valleys and hills in my life. God gave me this scripture many years ago when I was in a low point, and I've never forgotten it. And thanks to Google, I remember where it came from. Hebrews twelve six, but the verse stays in my heart always. And that is speaking to all of us, not just sons, but daughters. It says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens
3: and he scourges every son whom he receives.
0: Anybody else? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jim. Amen. Hmm? Acts 1 8, we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Be his witnesses. Thank you. A lot of good stuff in here. Truth of God, the power of God for us to live. Comfort. I want to read a psalm for you as we close. I was thinking about with all the stuff going on this week. And I've got the New American Standard version, but if you can get a hold of uh, the message version, to me it's even more uh, in your face. Why are the nations in an uproar? Why are the peoples devising vain things? kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the God, against the Lord and against his anointed. Saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. But he who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury but as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. Ask of me, and I will surely give you the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possessions. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, and shall shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O kings, O presidents, O governors, O mayors, O pastors, show discernment and take warning. Judges of the earth, worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, for His wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all those who take refuge in Him. Remember that this week. Chaos may continue. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know... uh, old cliche, I don't know what tomorrow brings, but I know who holds tomorrow. So be encouraged. And let's stand together and have a prayer. As you're praying this morning, if you're here and you don't know the God of the Bible, the power of the truth of God in your life, Can I just encourage you today, I'll be down here at the conclusion of the service and if you just say, you know what, I'm, I'm here today because I'm a little panicked myself about what's going on in our world and I'm not really sure what would happen if I left this world. Can I say to you today, I would just encourage you, dear friend, to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that He loves you and He has a plan for your life. And even in all the chaos of the world, to be reminded that this is just, it's the state of a fallen world because we're sinners. We've all fallen short of God's glory, but His free gift to us is salvation through His Son, Jesus. And much like Brooklyn today, acknowledging that through baptism, you can acknowledge that today as well, that you're a sinner and you're in need of a Savior who gave His life on a cross, rose from the dead, and will return again soon. And if you find yourself in that position today and you're like i I need to know this jesus i'm going to invite you in just a minute to come down and join me at the front if you're visiting you may say hey i i I want to be a part of this church family we would love to have you and so however god is speaking to your heart i pray that you would do like the people we just read about that you would be obedient and you would recognize that god uh, that you belong to god father i pray that you'd have your way during this invitation in jesus name Amen. Joey's going to lead us in a song of invitation. If you need to respond, I'm going to ask my friend Heath as well to be down here. We would love to pray with you or greet you as you come this morning.